Hi, I'm Coach John Cook, and thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Talking Hoops podcast. My guest today is Brad Francis. Brad is the head boys basketball coach at Fairlawn High School, which is near Sydney, Ohio, a member of the Shelby County League, a Division IV school. Brad just completed his first year at Fairlawn. Thanks for joining me for today. Enjoy my visit with Brad Francis at Fairlawn High School. Brad, how are we doing today? Great. How are you today, John? Uh, yeah, it's been all right. We're back to back to full-time hours in the office, as, as close to full-time as we are at a career center and a school right now, but but um, back in the office trying to plan for the opening of the school year and honestly looking forward to doing more podcasts because it takes my mind off of all the stuff we deal with at school. Well, uh, it's starting to become more, a little bit more precedent at times. I guess, I guess I told you that this week. I'm starting. I'm ready. I'm ready to be done living in unprecedented times and start living in some precedented times. <laughs> you shared that with me, and I've shared it with about ten other people. Uh, I, I think it's a great line. It's it's definitely. I would definitely be more comfortable in precedented times. They didn't make me near as near as uncomfortable. So, Brad. Let's talk about uh, kind of where where you came from to where you are. You're, you're the head boys basketball coach at Fairlawn High School uh, near Sydney, a Shelby County League school. Um, but if, if you don't mind, just kind of give a brief recap or summary of your coaching journey, how it started, where it started, and, and where you've been. Sure thing. Uh, back in the, I think, 92-93 school year, um, Rushi had an opening for an eighth grade boys basketball coaching position as late as I'll say mid September. And, uh, I was working the family business at the time and I, uh, had a lot of interest in it. And, uh, went over to Paul Bremage's house one night and told him I had some interest. He said, well, uh, if you're interested, the job's yours. And, uh, um, about two weeks later I committed to it and, uh, was eighth grade coach at Rushi for the 92-93 school year. Uh, as a side note, won my first 16 games, got beat in the Shelby County League eighth, uh, Tournament Championship. But when we were 16, I thought, oh, this is easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, unfor- <laughs> uh, unfortunately, as they say in coaching, you're either humble or you're about to be. <laughs> <laughs> this coaching gets easy. Uh, uh, was freshman coach at Rushi the following year, so the 93-94 school year. Um, uh, they had a freshman opening. I took that, and then I went back to school to get my teaching certificate. And I longed, uh, I'm sorry, I student taught at Layman High School, so I was freshman coach at Layman during the 94-95 school year. And the following year, 95-96, I actually taught math at, at Layman, so I was JV coach at Layman. So my first four years, I had four different positions. Um, and then I taught at Layman one year, and a Rushi uh, junior high and high school math teaching position came open. Uh, so I went back to Rushi, and I was JV coach for three years, um, leading up to the 99-00 season. And uh, I'm sorry, 0001 season. And uh, Paul had surgery and had to miss a part of the season, and we knew that ahead of time. So... Uh, um, I was a varsity assistant for that school year and 001 and uh, stayed in that position for the next uh, 12 years. In which case, my uh, son, old, younger son, Treg, was going to be a junior. And I decided I just wanted to be dad for a while. So uh, went, went three years without coaching. And then got a call from Coach Rosenbeck at St. Henry. 
and uh, asked me to be his varsity assistant during the 15-16 school year. So I was a varsity assistant at St. Henry in 15-16, and then 16-17, I was head coach at Houston. Um, did that one year and had a, had a business opportunity come open with me and my son that ended up falling through after it not resigned the position. Um, so the 17-18 school year did not did not coach anywhere, and then spent one year as the head coach at New Bremen High School, and then last year as the head coach at, at Fairmont during the 1920 19, 19, 19, season. So that's, and, that's kind of my roundabout journey. As you as you describe that journey, I mean it's it's really like almost two halves. You had your time at Rushi as an assistant, and then the the post. Uh, Rushi experience you, you, you've had a lot of turnover but you've experienced a lot of different things in coaching and so I'd kind of like to touch on some of those a little bit um, in working with coach Brimogen and I was fortunate enough uh, to, to spend two years at Jackson Center and got to coach against you guys uh, about that time you talked about 99-2000 and 2000-2001 uh, were the two years that I coached in Jackson Center um, I, I know what it was like coaching against your teams and preparing for them but Talk a little bit about Coach Brimogen's coaching style and what were some of the things that you experienced when you were coaching with him? When, when you had good teams, what did they have in common? Uh, well, first of all, I tell people that Paul probably did as good of a job as anybody around here as adapting to his personnel uh, for what he had to work with for that school year. Um, we had one season, one year, the 05-06 year, where we had uh, three three players six seven or taller. Um, now we had a couple good guards to go with them, but uh, we played a lot different style of ball than we did, uh, you know, four years later in, in 2009-2010 where our tallest player was six one, and we just had a bunch of little scrappy little guards. So um, I would say that's Paul's greatest strength is adapting to his personnel. He wasn't set in his ways so much like we're going to play this way, you know, no matter what personnel we have. Um, and, that, you know, that's probably the thing I learned a lot from Paul and three of my uh, interviews that, you know, they said, what's the style of ball you want? You know, do, you, do you like to play? And I'm like, well, depends on what your personnel, what depends what your strengths are for your team that year. You know, if you have trouble putting the ball in the hole, you're not going to, you're not going to play the same way as if you, you know, just have a ton of athletes and try to get it up and down the floor. So that's, that's one of the biggest things I took from Paul and also his preparation. Um, I thought Paul just did a fantastic job of, of preparing himself and the and the players uh, for for the different situations. Well, and, and I can I guess speak from a little bit of experience. I felt like you guys were always very prepared uh, when we had the chance to, to compete against you. But I, one of the things that stood out about the time that I got to experience being a part of that league and and what you said about Coach Brimmingen rings true that. Um, very much he was a guy that adjusted well to his to his personnel because when I got the job at Jackson Center I didn't have any clue what I was getting into with some of the teams that, that we were going to play and so I'm looking at previous years film or maybe two years back trying to get a little bit of a handle on things and and at least when I was there and that was about the time that Eric Rosenbeck was a junior or senior um, when I would have been competing with with, with Rushi um, Maybe I'm wrong, but you can tell me your your thoughts on this. It felt to me like Coach Brimogen was one of the earlier guys to really embrace uh, kind of heavy use of the three-point shot. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, yeah, I believe so. And and our personnel adapted to that also. We had a we had a pretty good run of talent. Uh, you know, people people talk about uh, 
schools having good runs uh, in, in any sport, not just basketball. And, and one of the most common factors, no matter what the school or what the sport is, is talent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> went, to, went, went to a coaching clinic one time, and the first thing a college coach gets up there and say, say, says is, uh, don't let anybody tell you any different. You have to have some horses. And he says that when you do have those horses, you got to ride them. So uh, having said that, um, I agree with what you said, but we also had a pretty good run. We had about a 10 or 12 year run at Rishi where we had uh, just a lot of shooters, just a lot of, you know, I like to say, well, anybody can be a three point shooter. We need some three point makers. <laughs> and and uh, we, we had a, about a 10 or 12 year run where we had a lot of three point makers. And, uh, you know, that was, that was probably as vital as anything to, what you saw, I guess. When you talk about adjusting to, to his personnel or the way you guys chose to at Rushi offensively, was it were there changes season to season or over the course of your time working with Coach Brimogen at the defensive end of the floor? Absolutely. Uh, I remember what sticks out to me is the 9-10 season. We put in a run and jump trap that we had never done before. And um, Paul watched a lot of films. We got, got a lot of films. We watched a lot of films together on different things. And and uh, our kids our kids just picked up on it and loved it. But we had never ran something like that before. Um, and and he knew that he knew in order to do it, we had to be committed to it and do it, you know day in and day out, practice after practice to, to be able to get better at it. And some teams playing in the Shelby County League figured it out the second time we played them. Um, in fact, I know we got beat by Jackson Center in tournament uh, that year. They started two freshmen. that they, they It was their third time against us, and they they, they, they beat us in tournament uh, that year. But still, uh, it won us a lot of games during the course of the season also. When you were, were on the bench beside Paul for, for all those years and the different roles that you had, and, and I'm just asking really out of my own curiosity, as you moved up and, and, and had the different positions on the coaching staff, were there noticeable changes in your responsibilities, the things he asked of you? Uh, yes. The, the longer I went, the more responsibilities I had. And uh, whether that included, you know, changing, being, being one who changed defenses or substitute players or, um, you know, even some behind the, behind the scenes items that, that nobody sees uh, in, in preparation or a lot of the paperwork. I handled a lot of the paperwork uh, in my later years and things like that. And one of the other things that doesn't get talked about a lot is that we had, I believe, five coaches, uh, varsity, varsity assistant, JV, freshman, and eighth grade coach where there was no turnover for like a 12-year stretch also. So wow. that continuity was, that continuity was, uh, was very good. That's that's remarkable at any level, but certainly at the small school level, it just seems like there's near constant turnover in in small schools to have that kind of consistency on your staff for 12 years. I mean, and to have it coincide with it with a period of time when your you know your talent's getting pretty good, to have that kind of consistency had to be a tremendous advantage. It, it was. It was. It was. <laughs> it was pretty pretty good. When you when you spent time adapting to those different roles and taking on those different responsibilities. Did you have in mind at that point in time that you might be able to use some of that to prepare to be a head coach, or did you even expect to become a head coach yet? Um, back then, at the time, I would say probably probably didn't expect to be a head coach. Um, I just just was very content, happy with where I was, and um, it didn't enter my mind very often. I'd say probably less than five percent of the time when I thought about it did I, did I think that um, that I would be a head coach someday. At back then. Back in, you know, most between the 2000 and 2010, I guess I'll say. 
So when you when you took uh, a couple of years away from it and you watched your son play and you were still at every game and you were still involved, how how tough was it being away from the staff and away from the guys on a day to day basis? Um, I was I, I was still around the, the staff a lot. We talked a lot. I still talked to Paul a lot. He would lean on me for some things, and uh, we still talked a lot. But um, I think I told you the other week when we were talking, uh, I was sitting in the front row across, across from the bench, and I think I even remember calling a timeout one time. <laughs> a kid was sliding out, of, sliding out of bounds with the ball, and I'd yell, timeout, timeout, timeout. <laughs> and he calls timeout, and my buddy sitting next to me looks at me and goes, you better hope we have some timeouts left. And, <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. <laughs> so, uh, um, you know, you still think like a coach, no matter no matter what the level with the sport, whether you're involved or not, you know. I, I, so, uh, you know, we still talked a lot. It was, it was, I miss being around, around the players, around the kids. I used to, when I taught also, that's the first thing you miss when you're out of the classroom is, is that day-to-day interaction with the, with the, students that's, that's why you do it you know absolutely so, uh, so dur- during yeah. during that time away and 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 missing it obviously like you you say you did did you start to to, to think about the possibility of head coaching and getting your, yourself on that track while you were away from coaching or was that still a couple years away in your mind no that's when it started coming in my head but uh, i think i might want to be a head coach i uh um, it was kind of interesting to be away from it is what kind of spurred spurred the thought of, of this is this is what I think I want to do now. So uh, um, it was just kind of interesting how it all kind of fell into place. And when Coach Rosebeck called me, kind of called me out of the blue. He hadn't really uh, Chad Kramer, who's now at in, or, I'm sorry, who went, went to Ansonia, was then uh, went on to Marion Local as a varsity assistant, but he's head coach at Ansonia. When he left St. Henry to go to uh, uh, and Sonia is, is when he called me. I think he called me the day that he left, actually, and uh, offered the position. And I think I thought about for less than 24 hours to, to go to St. Henry, I guess. So. Well, I, I want to get into the St. Henry period in, in just a second, but I, I'd like to ask you a quick question about your uh, the group of kids uh, at Rushi. I, I just know from the two years I was closely involved and got to observe, and I, I can still name some of the guys that were thorns in our side, but were there – a handful, handful and a half of guys that you can think about during your time at Rushi that epitomize what Coach Bremigen hoped to have in his in his team on his roster. Uh, yes, and I, I still tell a group of players that uh, graduated in '99 and '98. Uh, we started five juniors and uh, went seven and fourteen. Lost our first tournament game and. Um, lost a lot of close games and I distinctly remember one of my buddies telling Coach Bremerton he said uh, the good news is that you have all five starters coming back the bad news is you have all five starters coming back (laughs) and uh, little did they know four months later we uh, won the first league title in Rishi in 23 years went 12-0 and went undefeated in the league and um, um won a game at Botkins on a Tuesday night. We were down to with the ball with about, I don't know, nine seconds left and called timeout and ran a play and got a three and, and, uh, um, kids switched it and, and at the buzzer went it. And it, it kind of showed our kids, uh, that you couldn't win on the road in the Shelby County league. And, and Botkins had a very good team at the time. And, um, you know, those those five guys that started, those five seniors from the 99 
team are every time I, I see them, I you know we talk about that, you know even that that just game or that shot even. But uh, um, yeah, I mean over the course of over the course of the next three or four years, we had a lot of players that uh, you know just just you know without naming names, we had a lot of players that bought into what coach um, Coach Bremington was 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 trying to implement and. Uh, uh, and like I said earlier, it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt that they were talented, but they also had the work ethic and and uh, the mindset. I guess that that you know um, that we're going to win, and and that's what it takes sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes all not almost all it takes, but but the final thing that you need is just that mindset that we're going to win. I, I don't think there's any doubt that the that the mental focus, the mental maturity of a team, and the belief that they. I mean, I just think in any sporting endeavor, confidence plays a major factor in your ability to be successful. And I don't think there's any question about that. And and I, and again, just again, for only two years competing there, I would say the one thing that was sort of a constant with Rucci's kids is they, they just had a certain level of, of maturity and, and belief in themselves and confidence in what they were trying to accomplish. And I always said when I coached at Jackson Center, you know, we weren't very good. In fact, we were not good at all for the two years I was there. But I could tell the teams that, you know, I mean, you've been around long enough, Brad. When, when, when your team has a team coming up on the schedule that they know they're going to beat most likely, that they are heavily favored to beat, sometimes it's really hard to keep them focused on that. And uh, in, in the games that we competed against Rushi, there would be lulls maybe where the, the competition level we, we could compete because, you know, we didn't have as much to lose and, and teams were overlooking us. But I thought Rushi's kids were remarkably mature in that area. Uh, of of kind of staying focused on what was at hand and, and and competing at a pretty high level and it was never very easy to compete with you guys that's for certain. When you uh when you make the move then to to join the staff at St Henry can you discuss a little bit about what it was like uh, going to work with Coach Rosenbeck from from two perspectives number one you're working with a a, a young man that you actually coached uh, on the staff at Rushi because he played there so talk about uh, working with a young man that you coached but also uh, coaching with a guy who from from his standpoint, was relatively recently removed from college, and talk about maybe some differences in the way he did things as opposed to the way you did them with Coach Brimogen. Um, well, sure. First of all, I knew just from talking to St. Henry people how well liked uh, Coach Rosenbeck was uh, by his students, not even just basketball players. Um, he was English teacher for a while, and then he went on to be principal and still is, but I knew how well liked he was. So I was interested, interested to see, you know, what made him so well liked, uh, by his players and students. And, uh, as far as, as far as coaching with a player who I previously coached, I knew that he had played at Capitol. He played for Damon. He graduated from high school in 01. So he graduated from Capitol in 05 and he played from Damon. How much, Interested to see how much he um, utilized from what Coach Bremerton had had taught him, or what he had learned from Coach Bremerton, and then what he had seen at, at the collegiate level at Capital. And uh, um, I, I I learned a great deal my one year with Eric. I just did. I just uh, um, Paul watched a ton of film. Um, Eric watched a ton of film. How they relayed that to the kids was completely different, however. Um, very rarely during the regular season do we watch much film with the kids at Rishi. And uh, very rarely at St. Henry did we not watch a lot of film with the kid, with the players. So it was, it, was, it was almost night and day difference about what they did. And not saying that one is right and one is wrong. It was just two different 
two different uh, approaches, and and both seem to work for for you know both Paul and Eric. Um, he Eric uh, has had a lot of success at St. Henry, and, and a lot of it is, is because the players like him so much, and he he deals with deals with not you know not just the players but all the students uh, uh, very well. And I guess that would be the other question that I would have is. I expected there would be some differences and, and, and was curious to hear what they were between the two of them in terms of how they uh, conducted their programs or where they placed their emphasis. But what, what do you remember about working for Eric that was similar uh, to what, what you experienced working for Coach Brimogen? Uh, their preparation. I'll, I'll go back to preparation. Um, uh, they, they both were just – uh, you know, very prepared, whether it be every practice or every game plan or game night, uh, whatever it might be, summertime, just just what we, you know, what we wanted to get accomplished as a staff and, and letting their players know what we wanted to get accomplished. That's probably the main thing. And, and the work ethic of the players and uh, the winning mindset of the players. Um, uh, St. Henry people expect to win. I don't care if it's checkers or tiddlywinks. St. Henry people expect to win. <laughs> and and, and uh, they've had a lot of success. A lot of banners shown in the gym because of it. And uh, you know, those are probably the, those are probably the biggest similarities to, to working with Paul and Eric. And you know, um, as far as practice plans and everything like that, they were they were both very similar. I can't you know I can't say one was a lot different than the other. And, and so you, you spent the 16-17 season, uh, excuse me, 15-16 with uh, St. Henry. Uh, and by then you're, you're pretty certain and locked in you want to be a head coach. Um, if you don't mind, let's go ahead and take our break now. And then when we come back, I want to get into the conversation about your time at Houston. Um, and, and, and then moving forward from there. But we'll take our break now, if that's okay with you, and then when we come back, we'll get into your head coaching uh, stops. Sure. All right, Thanks. we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Okay, Coach uh, Francis, so the 15-16 season, uh, you're at St. Henry. Uh, you're involved with a very good, long-time successful program, working with a, a guy that you obviously very much respect. Uh, talk to me, if you would, about uh, when you started looking at head coaching opportunities and, and how the process evolved at Houston. Well, I told Eric pretty soon after the season, and I gave him an FYI. I said, hey, just to let you know, there's head coaching uh, positions that come open I'm going to be very interested doesn't mean I'm going to get them but I'm going to be interested and uh, uh, he said sure anything I can do to help let me know and uh, after uh, Coach Willoughby left Houston to take the Sydney job um, I started inquiring about that and uh, got an interview and uh, I don't know late April I guess uh, uh, was off at the position, I guess. So when, when you get a job at Houston, first of all, it's a, a school district that you've got a certain level of familiarity with because you competed for so long. I mean, Houston is, for any listeners who don't know, a, a Shelby County school in the same league as Rushi. You spent most of your life competing with Houston, so you've got some familiarity. You knew a little bit about the program that John Willoughby had, had run there and the success that they had experienced. Um, so when you come in there to that kind of situation – what, what was your expectation level in terms of trying to establish your own program with your fingerprints? 
Well, uh, I think I told you the other week when we were talking. Uh, I think John and Paul have faced each other, um, I think, 60 times during the regular season when they were at Ruching House. They were both there for 30 years uh, concurrently. And then probably, I never counted up, but probably six or seven or eight tournament during those years. And then they were both at, at Troy. Uh, uh, Troy and Sydney, sorry, Paul's a Troy and, and John was a Sydney. They've probably faced each other 73 or 74 times. So, so <laughs> Shelby County League playing double round, double round robin, and, and the Gwalk playing double round robin. It was, uh, you know, very, very familiarity, I guess, to, to go back to it. Um, you know, one of the, one of the first things I wanted to, wanted to instill is like, you know, uh, I know I'm replacing a coach that's been here 30 years. I'm not Coach Willoughby. Everything I don't, everything I do is not going to be the same as Coach Willoughby. Everything I do is not going to be different than Coach Willoughby. You just, you know, those those players in grades seven through eleven, and that's all they had known their entire life. You know, you, you know, the 12 years before they was born, even for the seniors, <laughs> he was their coach. And and uh, you know, that, I guess that's the first thing I want to be is like, hey, things are going to change. It's okay. It's okay if we do five drills different than what Coach Willoughby did, or you've never seen these five drills before, or we do this differently on offense, or you know you're taught this differently on, on defense. It's, it's it's okay, you know. That's that's as much as you want to do when you replace somebody who's been there for that long. I felt like now the the other piece, yeah, and I think that's that's really wise is just be clear that there's going to be some differences, and it's it's not the end of the world, and it's not something you can't adapt to. But you also had to, I, at least I'm assuming I wasn't there, and I don't know, but I'm going to guess that when John Willoughby steps away from a program, uh, there were probably some assistants that were a part of the program that were going to step away too. You had to build a staff for the first time in your career. You were going to be responsible for assembling a coaching staff. Can you talk about some of the challenges that went into that and how you went through that process? Sure. Uh, yes, everybody who was under John either either resigned or went with him to Sydney. So uh, basically starting from scratch. And I got lucky. One of your former players, uh, Mark Plasso, who graduated from Jackson Center and I don't know, 01 or 02. You probably know better than me. Um, 02, I believe. If that's yeah, correct. yeah, he played for me uh, as a sophomore and junior. So it would, yeah, 02 would have been his senior year. As a high school teacher at, at, at the Houston, and uh, he's currently the head coach right now. But uh, he was my varsity assistant the first year, and uh, uh, Mark's, a, Mark's a great person, does a great job with kids, and uh, didn't have a ton of coaching experience, but that was okay. Just Mark's demeanor and, and – um, I just got, I really got, really got lucky to have Mark as my varsity assistant my first year at Houston. Um, if I wouldn't have had him, I don't know where I would have turned. I just, just, I don't. So, um, that was the main thing, getting a varsity assistant and then, uh, securing a JV coach and Zach Barlogi was, was also important. Zach, Zach, Zach was a Versailles grad that played, uh, uh, played at Versailles and it was, it was nice to have his, his input and how they did some things and learn, learn some of the stuff that they did at Versailles, uh, highly successful program as well so uh um you know those were the two main decisions as far as uh, we didn't have a freshman team but as far as filling the junior high positions and everything i believe one coach that i had was a holdover and then the other one uh was was actually it was zach freeling who's my athletic director at fairlawn now the way oh, things wow. worked out. um but uh I, you know i got kind of lucky in assembling a staff that was uh you know very committed to to what I wanted to do, and uh, um, you know, Zach was a Houston uh, alum that played for John back in 00 or 01, also that uh, helped out, also. So, 
Now, I'm, I'm going back a ways here with myself, but when I think about my first year as a head coach, the, the two things that stand out about my memory of that time is I couldn't believe how eager I was to get started. The level of excitement was really, really different, um, you know, becoming a head coach. But I also remember it being kind of a whirlwind. It seemed like it went so fast, like the year went by so quickly. Can you think back to that that one year at Houston and talk about some of the positives that you experienced and maybe some of the negatives that you experienced as a part of that uh, that, that process that first year? Sure. Um, first of all, Houston, Houston School is about seven minutes from my house. It's, it's a neighboring school to Rishi and the house. The school is way on the way on the west side of the district, so uh, uh, not very far away. But yes, it was a whirlwind. Uh, Houston has a very big school district, and uh, I didn't know many people there, but the people I did know. I knew were very good people. Ryan Meyer was the principal at the time. He's now the superintendent. He was John's varsity assistant for, for a while. And Ryan's a very, very quality person. And uh, having his full support, but also, you know, his, his uh, brain to kick ideas off of and how, how would you do this and how would you handle that um, really helped a great deal um, in, in, you know, my first year there, I guess. Um, I, I guess... Without without being too uh, complimentary, but but the kids were very very good. They were, you know, very receptive to anything we wanted to do. Um, had great support, like I said, from the administration. Probably the only negative I can say is I knew we didn't have much height. I knew we were struggle, going to struggle to put the ball in the hole. <laughs> and and that's that's a pretty important thing when you're coaching the game of basketball is having. Uh, not very many players who, who shoot a very high percentage. We have, we have from two feet or nineteen feet nine inches. Uh, <laughs> figuring out a way, figuring out a way to win when you don't score very consistently is a hell of a lot harder than it sounds. <laughs> it is, and uh, I knew it going in, and, and nothing against the players, but I just knew we were going to. Even even my better players, the more athletic and, and better basketball players, still. Um, you know, our shooting percentage just wasn't where we were like to have been, but that's okay. You got you got to learn, and that's how you got to adapt to your personnel. You know, it's interesting you say that because I can remember going through some experiences like that when teams didn't shoot it very well. And I can remember consciously making the decision, well, if we're not going to shoot it very well, we're going to shoot it from as close to the basket as we can. And we're going to we're going to try to be patient and get really good shots. And I think that was 20 years ago. If I fast forward 20 years, I might say, well, we don't shoot it very well. So if we get up enough threes, maybe, maybe enough of them will go in. We can hang in there. Uh, was there anything about that first year as a head coach that, that you found surprising or maybe was different than you expected? Uh, opening night, we played Rusty at Houston. And, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. and it was surprising that as far as I was down 27 points at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, had to play Rushi, you had to play Rushi in your first game as a head coach. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, down 27 at halftime, and then uh, we played him back over at our place. Uh, January 10th or 11th or 12th, somewhere in there. And we were up three with about two minutes to go. So uh, I guess that's the second most surprising thing is, is how well we adapted and came up with a better game plan the second time we played them and, and didn't win, but uh, uh, gave them a really good, really good effort. Well, and uh, to, well, well, to piggyback on that, we played them, played them in tournament also. Welcome to Shelby County. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, 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 you and I have talked before in a little bit of detail about the, the, the kind of oddity at the end of that year, you get an opportunity to maybe go into a business situation that would involve you and your son together in a business opportunity that 
obviously had to be really enticing. And you, you talked about how difficult the decision was to to step away from that head coaching position, but to have what you thought was a unique opportunity and then to have that opportunity kind of evaporate. Uh, talk a little bit about going through that and, and maybe uh, how quickly did you bounce back and, and start looking for that next opportunity or what, what was that process like? Well, um, I gave I gave Ryan Meyer, who was principal at the time, a heads up when the possibility uh, started to come into focus. Uh, I guess mid April, and um, I don't, I'm not 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 real sure of my dates, but but the, the it all came to fruition mid mid to late May, and uh, it ended up falling through later than that. But uh, Treg, my my younger son, had just graduated from college, and and. May of uh, sorry of seventeen and uh, after after I had resigned that's when it fell through and it was it was it was hard it was just uh, it was just a, a kind of a unique situation that uh, I don't know it, I, I don't like using this but it kind of it is what it is or it was what it was at the time and I uh, I like to think that everything happens for a reason and I'm not sure what the reason is right now but that's that's kind of how things how things went so. Uh, um, it was it was difficult, and, and when did I start thinking about it again? Um, I don't know, probably two three months afterwards. I, I didn't. I had a bad taste in my mouth how, how everything kind of went down. But it was my own doing. Nobody else, you know, nobody else did anything wrong. Sure. Probably two three months two three months later, I kind of started thinking. Well, you know what? I'm probably not going to coach this year. I'm probably just going to help people. When I did, I went scouting for probably seven or eight different head coaches um, that year during the 17-18 school year uh, and went and watched a few practices, went and watched a few college practices, you know, stayed stayed on top of just about everything um, during, during that year. This may put you on the spot just a little bit, and if it does, I apologize because it's it was 17-18 and you've been through a lot since then. But was there anything about that, that season of not coaching but staying plugged into the game where that you feel like you can definitely remember learning or gaining that was going to help you back But when you got back in? going to different practices just seeing different things i i had really only ever been to two other head coaches practices um uh being eric rose and and paul bramagen and and going to going to different coaches practices just seeing just seeing different things that like hey that works there's different ways to do things oh that's a very similar to drill to what we're what we do but they put this little uh you know uh, addition into it or whatever so just just the little nuances of you know uh, little things mean a lot and little things meant a lot to me of seeing just just how different coaches did different things well and because i've always felt like and obviously i've had some experience being away from the game at, at different points as well and I, I feel like it's a really good time to recharge your batteries and if you want to stay plugged in you can certainly learn a lot but it it, it also you you run the risk sometimes of seeing so much good that um, I think it's John Beeline says you can do anything you want, but you can't do everything you want in coaching. And when you start seeing too much good, it can overwhelm you a little bit because you want to apply it all. And so that's I, I know this question was a little bit specific, but I'm always curious if there are, are little little nuggets here and there that you really feel like are helpful because you, you had that year off and you jumped right back in. You end up being the head coach at New Bremen uh, for the 18-19 school year. And I, I'd really like to ask you a little bit about because if, if, if you're a Northwest Ohio or, or, or Northwest Central Ohio guy, uh, the Shelby County League is is largely, I mean, as a league, it's basketball only, even though a couple of the schools play football. As a league, Shelby County is basketball only. And, and then you get into the Midwest Athletic Conference, which, you know, for better or worse, and, and the argument will be made a, a lot of different ways, but there may not be a better small school league 
uh, in the state of Ohio. Hell, there might not be a better small school league in the country uh, than, than the MAC. Um, when you went through a year at New Bremen as a head coach, you've been in the Shelby County League. Now you're in the Midwest Athletic Conference. You feel like you learned anything necessarily specifically from the guys that you competed against? Well, uh, yes. I, first of all, dealing with football. I mean, I, I went first, I don't know, 22 years of my coaching career without having to deal with football. And, and when you do that, you almost, I'm being exaggerating a little bit here, but you almost don't see the players from July 1st till oh, whenever, November 1st or, or whenever the football season ends, late October, I guess. So July, August, September, October, you know, you go four months without, I'll say not without seeing your players, but without seeing them compete in a basketball setting, I guess. So, um, you know, I, I talked to Kurt at Marion Local and, and Michael at Minster and, and Eric, even more St. Henry, and just, you know, just for ideas on, on the, that kind of thing. But uh, that's that's probably the, the biggest thing I realized coming to a school that had football is that, it, you know, you got four months, with, you know, Kurt, Kurt fights at Marion Local even more than that. They, they, he, doesn't see, he, he doesn't see his kids for about five and a half months usually. And, and when you got into the, the, the flow of the season and, and, and competing with those guys, and, and, and again, having coached in Shelby County, I realized that oftentimes you play a lot of Mac schools anyway. But was, was there a difference in the style of play between your league nights, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays, and, and maybe what you ran into uh, in the Mac? When, when you moved to the Mac full time, was it, was it an adjustment in terms of style of play? Um, just as far as, you know, there was, there's about four or five schools that I had not coached against before. I didn't know what their coaches did. Be it Delta St. John's and Parkway, actually Parkway, Doug Hughes up there. I did know some, some about Doug, but, uh, Fort Recovery, uh, um, I don't know Coldwater had not coached against them at all. That was probably the main thing, not necessarily the styles of play, uh, that and also only playing the team once, once in a season rather than twice, like we do in the Shelby County League. Um, you know, uh, Shelby County League, the second time you play play teams, uh, they usually go way different than the first. You know, like I said before, that Richie House game, the games, uh, the, the two games usually go complete, completely different of of how the how the, the first second one goes completely different from how the first one. And you know that was that was probably another adjustment that you know doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Did you, did you feel like when when you spent that year at, at New Bremen? I, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough and, and and felt very privileged to be asked to come speak to your team on a couple of occasions and and got to watch a little bit. Um, the, the first year is never really an easy year, a transition year. But did you feel like you you got good buy in from your guys right away when oh, you yeah. were at New Bremen? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. We we didn't win any games we'd like. We we lost about five three point games or closer. Uh, um, but we very well could have won. Got beat by Delta triple overtime. Still sticks in my crawl. So I remember. But um, uh, yeah, great buy and everything. The, the Bremen players were, were awesome to work with. I, I was I was uh, you know still still communicate with a lot of them. I coached and uh, um, just uh, had had great buy in from them. And, and you, you and I have talked before, and you've been actually really stand up about it. That I mean, for whatever reason, and there may be some specific reasons, but things didn't work out at New Bremen. Whether it was, uh, it wasn't necessarily basketball related, and it wasn't necessarily X and O or strategy related, but uh, the decision was made that you wouldn't return 
to New Bremen, and that's how you ended up at Fairlawn. And you can spend as much or as little time talking about that as you wish. But what I would like to talk about is that transition to Fairlawn and maybe what what you felt like you were taking away from the New Bremen experience that would help you in your next stop. Well, life's all about learning, John, and and you you, you got to learn from every stop you make and everything. Um, I um, I made sure my staff was fully on board at Fairlawn. Um, at New Bremen and, and nothing against anybody, but uh, there were a couple of uh, I guess I lost you just for a second. Could you repeat that last Fairline, little bit? I, uh, at Fairline, I, 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 uh, one of my one of my ex players, Cody Anthony, who 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 played for us in '07, um, is now my varsity assistant. Played for Rushi and, and does a fantastic job. And my my JV coach was Kenny Peters, who graduated from Fairline in 1990, and and has been around the community his entire life and does a fantastic job. And uh, um, you know, that's I guess that's one of the things I learned is, is surround yourself with guys who who are bought in 100 with with what you're trying to do. And, and I I think that can't be overstated. I mean, it, it's not like there there there's only one way to be successful, but you got to have everybody in the boat row in the same direction if if you want to be successful. There's right. no question about that. So talk a little bit, if you would, just to review a little bit your 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 this past year, your first year at Fairlawn, how, how the year unfolded, how you felt about your team's development, and then we can talk a little bit about how things stack up going forward. Um, sure. Uh, we, we finished 14 and 9, uh, went 5 and 7 in the Shelby County League. Uh, we went 9 and 1 in uh, non league and got beat in our first tournament game by Covington. Um, we return seven of our top eight, eight of our top nine. We had one senior uh, that started for us um, that played a lot of minutes, um, and then there was another senior on the team. But but um, return of eight of our eight of our top nine, and um, Shelby Kennedy is going to be a dog fight again. It just is year in and year out, and it's 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 there's there's. With no disrespect to Houston or Rishi, there's five teams that can win it next year. And uh, uh, the nights that you play Houston or Rishi, you better know what you're doing. You better be prepared also. But, but Anna and and Bodkins and Fort Lormie and Jackson Center in no particular order are going to be a handful night in and night out. Uh, and I, I, I think I told you this a few weeks ago when we talked, but you wouldn't want it any other, any other way. That's that's how you want it. That's, you, that's why you're in the business, to have to bring your A game every night to – to, to get accomplished what you want to accomplish. And if you don't, then you're going to end up on the wrong side of the scoreboard. And uh, you said something about the Mac being possibly being the best small school in the, in the, in the state of Ohio, maybe even the nation. I tell people, I tell anybody that wants to listen, this area, and I say five or six or seven or eight or ten county area without naming any counties, uh, I think has the best small school basketball in the, in the United States of America. And I don't know what I'm basing that on, but that's what I feel. Well, and, and I don't think you'd get a lot of people, at least with any reasonable understanding of it, that would disagree with you wholeheartedly. And, and I think a lot of it is is the, the, the type of kids that they are. But a lot, I'm even being honest, a lot of it comes down to the quality of coaching. And, you know, you just named off the, the schools in your league that have a chance to win the league and the coach that gets done at Anna and the coaching that, that Sean does at Botkins and, and, and Scott Elkert at Jackson Center and, and, and Corey at Fort Lormie. I mean, th- those guys do a good job, they, and they've proven it year in and year out. The league's definitely that that tough of a matchup most nights. I, I want to talk a little bit in the time that we have left, the six or seven minutes that we have left here. Uh, where do you hope to see the biggest improvement for your team? What are the areas you want to focus on making sure that you improve on? 
you know, we've preached the kids all summer, shot selection and defense. And uh, um, it's a little easier said than done, but that's that's where our main focus is. Um, we have some depth and some athleticism that's going to allow us to do uh, do some things and be who we want to be. But it's a lot of what we want to accomplish this year is going to come boiling down to shot selection and defense. And and it might be a cliche when you say defense, but uh, it's it's the truth. We we gave up too many points last year, and uh, and for us to to win more basketball games, we got to play better defense. And, and when you talk about playing better defense, do you think you're going to be a team that extends the floor and uses pressure? Are you going to be a team that, def- that would rather play in the half court and keep teams out of the lane? What's your preference defensively? Um, I'd like to extend the floor as much as possible. I feel I feel we have about nine players uh, that can that can help us um, at the varsity level, be it offensively, offensively, defensively, or both. Um, so in order to utilize, utilize that, I'd like to extend as much as possible. Um, we'll, we'll have to adjust night to night or game to game. Sure. Depending on who we're playing or, or, or what they're trying to accomplish. But, uh, yes, as much as possible, I'd like to extend, but, uh, uh, it's all about adjustments also. So, uh, we just, it's gotta be about mindset. Like I, like I've mentioned a few times earlier, it's, it's gotta be about mindset. Well, you've had an abbreviated summer like everybody has, and there's a remarkable amount that's still kind of undetermined. And I think all of us try to be optimistic and and, and plan for a season. And 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 who knows what may or may not happen. My hope is you'll get to coach your team uh, as as normal as possible as we head into this next year, and that you get to continue to build your program. Uh, and and I want to see you, you get to compete in that league. I know that. Uh, it's, 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 it's out of our hands. And so we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens, but I'm sure hopeful for you and appreciate you sharing your story with us and your time. You've had a unique journey in coaching and I think a a lot of learning opportunities and a lot of, um, of your experiences, I think can apply to a lot of coaches, whether they're younger or older and more experienced, uh, the things that you've experienced can help impact the way some people look at and pursue opportunities in their careers. And I just want to tell you, I appreciate you joining the program. Hopefully maybe we can do this again as the season gets a little closer and talk more specifically about uh, your league and your team. That'd be great. Uh, one thing I want to add, if you don't mind, John, do I have a sure. to, to yeah, add something? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts that you've had so far, and I, I've known several of the coaches that you've had on, and I have not known, you know, I don't know several of the coaches you've had on. Um, I have learned a lot, even you know, just just from hearing hearing things that, that they say on your podcast. But uh, you know, have had have had a lot of great relationships with coaches over the course of the past whatever it is, twenty seven years, I guess. I've been coaching twenty eight seasons, I guess. Um, and and coaches and players are are you know great to work with. They they're willing to help almost without fail anytime and and that's kind of what makes this job so fun is is that everybody's willing to help each other and uh you know learn from each other and the relationships uh uh that you, that you come across and uh you know just it's it's just it's you know just getting to know you uh, better has been a lot and you know we appreciate you doing these podcasts because we learn a lot from them also and i just just want to pass that along and also you know i guess just just from working with players one of the best things one of the best things about being a coach is, is seeing your players two or three or four or 10 or 12 years after they graduate and then coming up to you. Hey coach, how you doing? And you remember this and you remember that and you sit there and talk about different things that happened when they played for you. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun uh, when you can do that.
Well, Brad, I appreciate the kind words about the podcast. I had no idea exactly what I hoped to do with it when it started. And what's become clear is I get feedback like that a lot, that, that guys and ladies are learning from other people's stories, which I did believe when I started the podcast, that there's just power in other people's stories. And the other thing that rings true is this podcast is built on the backs of relationships that I wouldn't have except for the game of basketball. And our relationship is exactly one of those examples. And I count myself lucky to get to do this. I'm very thankful for the relationships uh, that basketball has brought me. Uh, but more than anything else, I just want to get to watch the friends that I've created and made through this journey. I want to get to watch them coach their teams and do what they love. Uh, I appreciate that also. Well, we will definitely get uh, together later on and maybe try to do this again, like I said, when the season gets closer. But good luck working with your team. There's some of that you have left, and good luck in the fall. That'd be great. Great talking to you. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening again today. If you would like to listen to previous or future episodes of the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast, you can listen on Spotify or Google Podcasts as well as several other podcast platforms. Please review, rate, and subscribe. And if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at anchor.fm backslash john-cook. That's J-O-N-C-O-O-K-0. Anchor.fm backslash john-cook0. Thanks again. Hope to talk hoops with you again real soon.